Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by the Living Lies blog, GTC Honors, LendingLies.com, and the Garfield Firm. Servicing all 50 states and 24 countries with news and analysis about the largest economic crime in human history. This program is for general information only and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice or consultation with a licensed professional. This show is not intended as a solicitation for the engagement of any services. And now, presenting world-renowned author, trial lawyer, CLE lecturer, and court-approved expert witness on securitization of debt, Neil Garfield. How does that note you signed change without you even knowing about it? Hi, this is Neil Garfield, and this is Thursday, September 30th, 2021. I'm broadcasting live from Duval County, Florida. First, I want to thank everyone for the support and the encouraging testimonials we've received so far for the two-hour webinar I did yesterday on examination and challenge of assignments of mortgage. The recorded version should be available as early as tomorrow morning and will be on sale. You've all often heard me speak about how the foreclosure mills want to talk about the note, but foreclosures are actually about the mortgage or deed of trust in the non-judicial states. Those are governed by two sets of rules or laws that were adopted in all U.S. jurisdictions from the Uniform Commercial Code. Article 3 governs negotiable instruments, which usually includes promissory notes. Article 9 governs enforcement of security instruments, which usually includes mortgages or deeds of trust. Tonight, Randy Ackley joins us again. He's been gone for a while to discuss his views on how these rules and laws should be considered and argued in court and how they overlap. Randy Ackley is a licensed attorney in West Palm Beach, Florida, who has been litigating the defense of foreclosure cases and related matters for many years. I consider him to be a good litigator with good experience in complex litigation, and I've worked with him in the past. Randy worked as a senior litigator with Tom Ice, who is one of the guys who broke through with several cases exposing the fraud and corruption of servicers and the other players who assist in making claims for foreclosure. Randy also worked for disaster relief organizations in many international locations and is an ardent and effective advocate for homeowners and consumers in general. Welcome, Randy Ackley, and thanks for appearing on our show. Thanks for having me, Neil. I appreciate it. So you and I were having this conversation about appearing on the show, and the conversation, I thought, got pretty interesting when I started hearing um, your take on the issues presented by application of the laws and some of the commonplace 
practices in applying uh, the Uniform Commercial Code. How would you describe the legal changes that happen when the typical homeowner signs a note and mortgage at a closing versus the time when he's facing uh, claims for administration collection or enforcement? Well, I think it's it's illustrative of the point to consider how often you and I have heard plaintiff's counsel in trials open up their arguments with the judge by saying, Your Honor, this is just a simple foreclosure. And the banks consistently try to frame foreclosures, whether there's a trust involved, whether the note has been securitized or certificated. Um, they consistently try to hold or get the court to hold that simply having a note that they pertain or they allege is an original note, simply having possession of that note is enough. They don't need anything else from their perspective, but that's just insane. And, and there's a lot, there are a number of reasons why that's insane. One is as you sit at your closing and sign that promissory note and sign the mortgage, you're signing two distinct documents with very different roles in how the, the your financial management will be handled moving forward. The, the promissory note is your promise to, to the lender that you'll pay them back. In almost every one of those promissory notes, there are, is language that under the UCC allows for that note to be transferred from the first lender to another uh, party and then on and on as often as they want to sell it or transfer it. In order for the person that gets that note to be able or entitled to enforce that note, they have to have gotten it in exchange for value. They can't just have stolen it or picked it up off the street. They have to have paid something for it. Well, that's fine. And basically at this stage, it's, it's analogous to having a check. You've written a check. You've given that check to somebody else and said, I will pay you this amount of money or I will give you this amount of money out of my accounts. But like a check, the note changes once it's added into a trust, uh, whether it's a remic trust or another trust, where the cash flow from that note is committed to pay derivatives to certificate holders. And that's a complicated way of saying that. They are promising to give your payments on the note to investors who have paid, and this is really important, have paid the bank or the, the trust for the certificates or the investments, almost like bonds. They've paid for those bonds with the promise that they will be getting the cash flow from the notes that are included in the trust. Like your check, when you sign the back of your check and you take a picture of it and send it to your bank and deposit that check, that check is no longer negotiable because it's been cashed already. It's been used. When your promissory note has been added to the trust and the certificate holders have paid, and, uh, paid for their certificates, that note has been converted when its cash flow is, is committed to the trust from a promissory note into a security. And that security is a security under the um, 1934 Securities and Exchange Act and the 1933 Securities Act. This is important because once you change a note from a promissory note to a security, a promissory note can be secured by a mortgage. In other words, the mortgage is out there promising that you will commit, you have committed to sell your property if you don't pay the note. That lien on your property is no longer 
possible once that promissory note is added to the trust. And so once your note is added to the trust, you shouldn't be able to foreclose anymore. But this is a very hard point for us to get the, the courts to understand, and certainly the last thing in the world the plaintiff's attorneys want to be understood. They don't want anybody to understand that once these notes are added to a trust, they can't be secured by mortgages anymore, and foreclosure should not be a remedy available to them. Yes, the party that actually owns and is entitled to enforce the note may well have the right to an entitlement to enforce the debt, but they should have no right to pursue a mortgage and pursue foreclosure of property because the mortgage can no longer be attached to that promissory note, and that's according to Chapters 8 and 9, or 678 and 679 under the Florida Statutes, uh, Articles 8 and 9 of the UCC. Well, that is a really good take on it, and I would add, and I wonder if you would have a comment, that um, the way I have phrased it, I kind of like the way you phrased it, but the way I, I phrased it is, is that the certificates that were sold to the investors uh, they are securities. I agree with you 100% under the 1934 Act. But they, uh, um, at the end of his term, Clinton signed into law a law that said that they won't be regulated as securities. And because they were not loan documents with borrowers, they were not subject to any regulation. Whereas we have the Truth in Lending Act and state versions of that and fair and honest dealing and so forth. And we have securities regulation in existence. What the investment banks, actually they're just security brokerage firms, managed to put through was this huge void in which there was no regulation and the money that was received by the investors actually turned out to be partially funded by receipts from homeowners and partially funded by the continuing sales of new certificates to new investors. So the terms on which the investors got paid do not mirror the terms of any note that the homeowner signed or any mortgage. So your characterization of conversion of the note into a security, I thought, and I still do listening to you again, that that kind of captures it or encapsulates the idea perhaps better than what I've described. What do you think? Well, I'm not, I'm not, absolutely clear on, on how you described it that that is significantly different um we've both been telling the courts go ahead i'm right sorry. no i i was i was just agreeing with you i'm not sure we're saying anything different i think we're saying it differently 
and and and, yeah. and I'm hope I'm hopeful that the audience will somehow be able to grasp this somewhat complex idea, uh, hearing it from somebody else who has their own take on it. I I agree completely. I think this is one of the problems that you and I and and the homeowners uh, across the country are facing. Certainly in Florida where we have a common law system of, of law, but yet we're asking the courts and the lawyers to try to understand a civil uh, code under the UCC. And I think that's one of the challenges we're facing. Um, and, uh, another thing that bothers me about the way these are being pursued in Florida uh, in particular, because that's what I'm used to is the, um, the number of cases where the plaintiffs claim to be suing as trustee for the certificate holders. Um, which is nonsensical. The certificate holders are investors. Um, if you look at the Howey test under the federal case law, um, um, for instance, if you look at um, mail versus office of financial regulation or Chadburn, under the Howey test, if uh, an, an investment is, incurs an investment of money is a, is a common enterprise and there's an expectation of profits to be derived solely from the efforts of others, it qualifies as a security. Clearly, these certificates are securities. Um, they should have no expectation of profit. There should be no private right of action uh, for them to pursue uh, uh, damages from the borrowers or the, uh, on, the, on the promissory notes that are used in the trust. It's nonsensical to suggest there's some sort of privity or connection between those certificate holders and the borrowers on the promissory notes. And yet, Again and again and again. I'm sure you're aware it, uh, it, these these cases are, are are found by the court to to give final judgment for the plaintiffs. And it, it's and just to piggyback no on that, just to piggyback on that, Randy. Um, the the other part of of that, or maybe there's more than one other, uh, is that. I completely agree with your uh, uh, characterizing it as nonsensical because the the U.S. Bank or Bank of New York Mellon or Deutsche Bank National Trust Company, they're all saying they're appearing as trustee of a supposed trust, which I often find doesn't even exist. But the problem with adding the certificate holders in the style of the case is a there's no allegation in the complaint as to the certificates or the or the holders and b there's no allegation that shows how the named trustee US bank etc could ever be the representative of the certificate holders. And in fact, in litigation between the certificate holders and the named trustee, U.S. Bank, Bank of New York, Mellon, et cetera, the trustee defended on the basis that they had no relationship with the certificate holders because they were not beneficiaries of the trust and because they had no contractual relationship with the certificate holders other than 
the uh, um, sort of promise to pay the investors on a monthly or semi-annual or quarterly basis, which really was coming just from the investment bank. But so, excuse my French, but yeah. but they sure as hell aren't trustees for the certificate holders. Exactly. There's no structure that there's no well, structure they that won those any cases. trust for them. Yeah. Yes. They won. They won those cases against the certificate holders. How do they come into state court now and say that we represent the certificate holders and the certificate holders are going to get the proceeds of this foreclosure when we know in advance that a they don't represent the certificate holders and the certificate holders don't get the proceeds of the foreclosure. If I may, there are a couple of issues that I, I completely agree with your point. A couple of issues have come up in what you've been saying, though, that, that we, we need to consider as well. First of all, a number of these so-called trustees, I would, I would challenge anybody to find their T1 certificates that give them authority to act as trustees under the, floor, uh, under the uh, federal securities laws. Um, and some of them have them, but some of them don't. And the fact that the trust may or may not exist is a really valid point here. Um, and it's insane for us to think that these cases keep going forward again and again and again. How many times have we actually seen the actual trust, the so-called trustees showing up in our cases again and again and again, we've been challenging them to actually have the so-called trustees show up and, and be present. The, Almost every single time, it's a servicer. And I challenge anybody to show me where that servicer is actually in communication with the so-called plaintiff um, with regard to the case that's being prosecuted. And that's where one of our problems has come up. And in, in the way these cases are, are prosecuted is the, the courts are allowing the banks to be represented by servicers, even with language in the statutes that, that 702 2201, I think. I, I apologize. I've got the number wrong. But an agent cannot represent um, its principal uh, uh, in, a, in, in court uh, in a circumstance such as this, but we're allowing servicers to do it. Um, and that's insane because you and I both know the servicers are getting the money. The servicers are prosecuting these cases. And I would be willing to bet that a majority of the cases uh, – reflect a case where the, the principal doesn't even know it's happening. Well, I think, yeah, I think you hit it dead on. Uh, and, and that's partly why I wanted you on the show, because you obviously have a, a good grasp on what's really going on with the money trail. The, 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 the fact is that the, uh, the 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 trust may be just an implied trust, and when the lawsuit happens or when the notice of sale happens in a non-judicial state, it's said to be by the lawyer that U.S. Bank is bringing this action, but on inquiry. In many cases, we've seen that that lawyer has had no contact with U.S. Bank and has not been retained by U.S. Bank. 
And that piggybacks on your point about the servicer. The servicer has no actual contract with with U.S. Bank or Bank of New York Mellon or Deutsche Bank National Trust Company. And even if they did, the trustee does not maintain any trust account because it never received money or the ownership of uh, of the underlying obligation as required by Article 9, Section 203. Right. So, right. So, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. That's all right. So I, I, I think that you're, you're really helping to drill in the points that homeowners can win these cases, and frankly, they should be winning these cases. Uh, uh, but, and this is my, I guess, uh, last question for you, what are the basic requirements uh, for when to start and how to start in mounting a successful challenge to claims that someone is entitled to administer, collect, or enforce, uh, especially by foreclosure, against a homeowner? Whenever a, a an action is brought in foreclosure, the the borrower, the mortgagor, the mortgagors need to look at who's bringing the lawsuit against them. And in the vast majority of cases where the note has been added to a trust and a trust is bringing the lawsuit or a, a, a trustee is bringing the lawsuit on behalf of a trust or the certificate holders, um, those should be challenged. And when a, uh, an action has been brought by a bank with, uh, uh, where, for instance, it's a non-negotiable instrument as a home equity loan, for instance, those absolutely need to be challenged. In some cases, in rare cases, a homeowner may decide they just can't afford to keep the house, they don't want to fight it, but in the majority of cases that we're seeing, these notes have been added to trust and are no longer promissory notes. They're now securities, and they can't be secured by a mortgage. Um, that doesn't in any way say that there's no right to enforce the debt, but if you're a homeowner, there's a, different, a big difference between having a, a, a lender or a, a, a successor in interest to a lender enforce a debt and be able to put a lien on your property as a result of that debt versus enforce a mortgage and sell your house and put you out on the street. Um, I would very much uh, advise homeowners to be very careful uh, about whether they allow a bank to pursue or a a plaintiff to pursue a foreclosure um, when, in fact, foreclosure may not be available or should not be available to that plaintiff. And they may be able to convert it just to a debtor. They may be able to get out from under it completely. Um, there are no guarantees, and every case is uh, a case in and of itself. It has to be looked at carefully. The facts analyzed, uh, and every case is different. But a number of cases out there uh, should be prosec- or defended, rather, and should be uh, uh, actively defended. And not, not, you shouldn't just roll over and let the 
banks or the, the mortgage servicers um, just roll over you. I don't know if you would agree with this, Neil, or not, but I, I happen to think that the finance industry, there are certain parts of it that seem very analogous to criminal enterprises, the way they're being run. And I agree. Homeowners across the country are absolutely being victimized by a finance industry that should not have been allowed to develop down the path it's, it, it, it's followed. And I made a big point, uh, both in my lectures and uh, writings and so forth, that it seems to me, reviewing both my own work and the work of others, that the sooner you start on your attack in terms of challenging the foreclosure mill, uh, the better your chances of succeeding if you're litigating thoroughly and the less likely it is that you will end up tacitly admitting something that can be used against you. What do you think about that? Oh, I completely agree. I completely agree. I, and if you – if you stand silent initially, uh, a lot of your defenses can be perceived as even waived, and you don't want that to happen at all. You need to take an aggressive stance and be assertive of your rights um, from the beginning. You can't just lay down and let the finance industry walk over you. It's just not okay. Yeah, and, and I, uh, I, I often add, and I'm sure you will agree, that uh, there's an unfortunate tendency that's just growing uh, with, with the social media uh, to look for a magic bullet that somebody from somewhere, you know, ha- has an idea about as though the knowing that fact will automatically cancel the foreclosure. And right. It's it's very hard to communicate to a layperson, especially when they're at an emotional ebb, how they've now entered a process, like it or not, probably started by fraudsters or tricksters, but that they have to go through the whole process if they want to hold on to their home. I'm sure you've had those conversations with clients as well. Well, of course, and, and, and I'm sure you've also shared the experience with clients who have just become tired. It, the stress of going through foreclosure defense and defending your home, it can be trying, and, and it lasts a long time, and people get frustrated, and they want it over. And in Florida, in particular, with the Bartram decision, we have the problem that you can win the case, get the case dismissed, and then they file again, and the and, it, and it's allowed because they now perceive that the special limitations starts with every new payment, uh, scheduled payment. And that can be very frustrating for folks. And that's why if we can get the courts to understand that once one of these notes is added to a trust, its cash flow is committed to the derivatives, it's been certificated and certificates have been sold, it can't be mortgaged again. They can't attach the mortgage back to it later. Even if they sell it to some other entity, the mortgage shouldn't be able to reattach to the note. And that should 
should end with finality. The idea of being able to foreclose again and again and again ad nauseum um, infinitely because of the, the crazy position with regard to statute of limitations in Florida at the moment. Right. Well, I think, uh, first of all, thank you. I, I, I really appreciate your appearing on, on the show. Uh, I, I also want to double down on your uh, uh, disagreement with the law in Florida that you can sue over and over again, I think that's insane. And uh, I think the courts are wrong. I think the Florida Supreme Court is wrong. And, uh, And I just completely agree with you. So thank you for appearing. And I hope to see you back here. And, I really uh, appreciate it. I've enjoyed it a lot, Neil. Thank you. Good. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next week on the Neil Garfield Super. Show. The opinions expressed on the Neil Garfield Show are those of its hosts and should not be ascribed to any other persons or entities. For more information about Neil, the blog, or upcoming seminars, please visit livinglies.me. Give us a call at 954-451-1230 or send an email to n-e-i-l-f-g-a-r-f-i-e-l-d at hotmail.com. Thank you for listening to The Neil Garfield Show. If the information has helped you, consider making a donation by visiting livinglies.me. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.